This is Johanna Weldock and coming up, Wild Oak Living. Today we're going to be talking about tyrants and we're going to give you an updates about, about how to, uh, what's happening in support of the people of Ukraine. So please stay tuned. It's going to be a very full program today. We'll be right back. Good morning again, Mendocino County and beyond. This is Johanna Weldock, host of Wild Oak Living, a program about Sustainable living and building community in Mendocino County and beyond. This program comes to you every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. If you have any programs, questions or feedback or suggestions or just want to get in touch with me about this program, you can reach me by email at contact at wildoak.org, contact at wildoak.org. As I said before the start of the program, we have a very f- full program with for you today. I'm going to start out by talking by uh, Andrew Fiala, who is a professor of philosophy, um, about his book, uh, Tyranny from Plato to Trump. And he's also going to share with us some very important and compelling thoughts about nonviolent resistance um, and, and, and how that also might relate to history and to what's happening in Ukraine right now. In the second half hour of the program today, I'm going to share with you an update about what's happening in our community in support of Ukraine. We're going to be talking, I'm going to be talking with Mary Rose Kazarovsky, um, who's going to give us an update on the various things happening. Uh, we're hopefully going to also be joined by Maria Tushek, who you heard on the program a few weeks ago. She is in Ukraine. She is in one of the communities in, in Western Ukraine. And we're going to be hopefully joined by uh, Chief Nolte, the uh, uh, police chief of Fort Bragg, who's going to talk to us about flying this uh, Ukrainian flag in support of Ukraine, and also uh, county supervisors McGordy and Williams, who are going to be talking about a resolution, uh, a county support of supervisor resolution in support of Ukraine. So as I said, a full program. So let's start out by, I'd like to welcome Andrew Fiala, who is, as I said, a prof- professor of philosophy, and he's director of the Center for Ethics at California State University in Fresno. He is a respected scholar of ethics, political philosophy, and the philosophy of religion, and particularly a prominent thinker of nonviolence and pacifism, who was a past president of Concerned Philosophers for Peace. He's written a number of, uh, of books, including a widely used ethics textbook called Ethics, Theory, and Contemporary Issues, Ninth Edition. Today we're going to be talking about his most recent book called Tyranny from Plato to Trump, Fools, Sycophants, and Citizens. And I want to let you know before we even get into the conversation that uh, this is a very important and very fascinating book, and this this is actually more than a discussion in the time frame that we have today. So I'm hoping that I can motivate Professor Fiala to come back on a future program to talk in more detail about the book, because today I really want to focus a lot of time on on the, the whole concept of of pacifism and nonviolent resistance in in the context of what's happening in Ukraine. But let's talk just a bit about, uh, to give people a flavor of the book um, and so that maybe people can get it and read it before our next program and get more out of our future discussion. Um, Please talk to us a a bit about um, what motivated you to write this book and and why is it important? Yeah, hi, good morning, Johanna. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. well, you know, the, the book, I, I, I've been writing that, that book for about five years since um, Donald Trump first appeared on the scene. 
And so I was fascinated to watch this man rise to power. And as I watched Trump in action, I was reminded of all kinds of other people I know who are sort of like him. <laughs> so I was thinking about um, kind of bullies and uh, prideful, egoistic kind of people. And the word tyrant kept showing up in that conversation. So I was, I was fascinated to think about Trump as a, as a character type, as a kind of person. And I think we have a lot of people like Trump in our lives that are, you know, sort of inflated sense of self and um, kind of unscrupulous and willing to do whatever it takes to, to get power. And so, I, you know, I, I was thinking about that problem with the Trump example in mind, but I'm really thinking about this as a spiritual problem that we all confront in our lives, in our businesses, in our families, and so on. And and it, it, this is probably this is probably um, uh, sort of jumping to conclusions. But you know, I was fascinated by the conclusion that you offered about how do we deal with tyrants and and is you know look in the mirror. So I I think the the fact the fact that you just mentioned that you know not only are there tyrants uh, or tyrannical behavior everywhere but probably most of us have at some point in our lives exhibited tyrannical behavior. Oh yeah, yeah, no, and you know I, like I would argue there's a kind of little tyrant within and if you grow up and educate yourself eventually you learn how to you know put him in the closet. Like <laughs> keep him out of the way, you know. But we all have this tendency um and we know people like this in our families, in our in our workplaces. You know, the, the, an example that comes to mind is the schoolyard bully. You know, this is the kid who pushes everyone else around. And the, the really strange thing about that phenomenon is the bully, the tyrant, is facilitated by other players in on the school schoolyard. Right? He has his his suck ups, his um, you know his little gang, his clique of, of folks that cheer him on, and then the mob in the background who just is fascinated by power and really fascinated by violence to connect it back to that theme you were talking about earlier that you know something about tyranny is very close to violence in fact you know the in the scholarship on this when when plato and others talk about the tyrant it's like the tyrant and violence those things just those two things go together um and we're kind of weirdly fascinated by that again all of us are including you know philosophy professors you know there's there, there's sometimes i put on a a violent movie, a superhero movie, and I just laugh along and cheer along with everyone else. Um, it's part of human nature, our fascination with power and, and our tendency towards violence. And in that way, violence becomes not just an enabler for tyrants, but a tool for tyrants. Oh, yeah, totally. So the, the tyrant um, rises to power using violence, and then once he is in power, and it's almost always a he, uh, then unleashes violence. Strange on, how that's almost always a he. <laughs> yeah, it, there's something there about, about gender and our, our constructions of uh, gender identity. I think, you know, men are encouraged a little bit to be more tyrannical in a sense. Um, I don't want to say that all men are tyrants, but, yeah. um, you know, we, look, we need to learn better. <laughs> yeah. we, need to, we need to control that tendency. 
Well, I, there's so much in your book about uh, you know, about the history, you know, going all the way back to the Greeks. Um, there's there's there are, there's just these fascinating aspects and and discussions about how we enable tyrants, and then also I I really want to get into how the Constitution helps protect us if we you know if we use it correctly, and and so that's why I want to you know I want to have another longer discussion with you about your fascinating and important book. And I just want to bring it to people's attention right now by letting you know that, uh, again, I am talking with Professor Andrew Fiala, and his last name is spelled F-I-A-L-A, F-I-A-L-A. And the book is called Tyranny from Plato to Trump. And if we can make it happen, I would love to have a future program where we can get into more details about about your book. Um, I'd be happy to do that. Thank you. and so let's let's uh, let's move on to well it's actually not moving on but it's all it's all related <laughs> it's all um this whole uh question about the russian invasion in ukraine and does nonviolent resistance have a role to play and and you shared with me a uh, a paper that that talks about that uh, about how in a world of rattling sabers the option of nonviolent resistance is often ignored as russian tanks roll into ukraine and cluster bombs rain on residential areas is it is natural to think that violence is the only credible response but violence is not our only powerful tool you are Argue. And so I just would like maybe to have you take us through these points about um, how nonviolent resistance has played an important role in the past and, and how it can play an important role again, and especially the, the, the aspect of personal responsibility. Yeah, you know, th- this. Uh, thank you for, for inviting me to talk about this topic. It's, um, it's very complicated, obviously, yeah. and we need to be careful in thinking this through. But right off the bat, let, let me just remind people that nonviolence doesn't mean doing nothing. <laughs> so there's, there's an assumption that, that the, the advocate of nonviolence just says, there's nothing we can do, I'm not going to act at all. It turns out that there is lots of techniques and strategies that are nonviolent that can, in fact, be effective. Um, so there's a weird either-or between the do-nothing or you know, send in the tanks kind of thing. Among the, among the things that can be done, you know, the active nonviolence stuff involves sanctions. We've been talking a lot about that in our country, right? Not a nonviolent response involves economic embargoes, um, choices made about what we buy and who we sell to and so on. There's also strategies of non-cooperation, um, including, uh, you know, work stoppages, work slowdowns and so on. There's a long history of thinking about strategic nonviolence that connects to the work of Martin Luther King Jr. and behind him, Mohandas Gandhi in India, and a bunch of other folks who really have honed these techniques. So there's, there's a lot to be learned there. Um, now, let me, let me be a little bit careful about this, too, is I would never want to say that the people in Ukraine are doing the wrong thing in defending their homeland. I think that's just none of our business, right? I mean, when the tanks roll into your streets, I mean, everything's on the table and and things are very weird. And it's just, to me, it's just admirable how people stood up. Everyone stood up, you know, not just the army, but everyone stood up all the way to the grandmother who offered sunflower seeds to the Russian soldiers so that flowers could grow out of his body when he died. You know, so, I mean, it's just every time I think about it, it moves me to tears how a whole country stood up. 
Yes, it's it's powerful, and um, and and we don't want to. We can't judge them in their emergency that they're in right now. It's it's not our business to judge. So two things come to mind. One is, uh, you know, there are strategies of nonviolence that Ukrainians themselves could be employing. They they need to figure that out for themselves. Another point I'd like to make is that it's actually the Russian people who have an obligation to do something nonviolent. Right. It's 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 not the, the victim of aggression. That's not the focal point. The focal point is the aggressor. Something ought to happen in Russian society that that stops the tanks in their tracks. Right. Um, and we know there have been lots of non uh, lots of uh, anti-war protesters in, in Russia who have been rounded up and imprisoned. So one of the things I would ask your listeners to think about, if we want to support nonviolence, in this uh, in this terrible tragedy, one thing we could do is support the anti-war protesters in Russia. They need our support. They need our solidarity. Um, now, big question. This connects back to the tyranny question. You know, will would nonviolence work in Russia if the Russian people were to rise up against Putin somehow? Well, that's a tricky question. <laughs> you know, we need a lot more information there. But there is evidence that there can be nonviolent revolutions even against tyrannical regimes, right? The, there, there are these moments in history where the Berlin Wall comes down, not as a result of bombs falling, but as a, re, as a result of, of human activity, solidarity, and, and nonviolent movements. So protests. I think the one focal point is to talk, to talk about the Russians and encourage them and support them. You also talk about the role of solidarity in protest. You just mentioned it. You know how uh, we've we've seen protests in and and actions in solidarity for Ukraine all over the world. And and you talk about how important that is to make people f who are in that situation, in that violent situation, feel supported. Oh yeah. So think about, for example, if you are. Uh, I mean, we know Amnesty International does this kind of work, right? If you are someone who is imprisoned as a result of a nonviolent protest, you need to know that the world has not forgotten you, right? The, 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 the sacrifice that, that those folks would make, the nonviolent protesters, needs to be recognized and celebrated, and we need to express our solidarity with those folks. This goes across the globe, right? Because we know that this, this has been happening for hundreds of years. It continues to happen in all, all kinds of conflict zones, including in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Northern Ireland, et cetera, et cetera. There are some people who put their lives on the line. They, they go on hunger strike, they refuse to work, they speak out in public, and they end up in prison, they lose their jobs, um, and sometimes they are killed. Those people need our support, I think. I think we should also think, Johanna, <clears throat> um, what's our um, attitude, what should our attitude be towards refugees and folks who are trying to flee the conflict zone Both the Ukrainian refugees, we know there's millions of them, them. And what about Russians who are fleeing their homeland because of the oppressive regime that's happening in Russia? There's horrifying stories all around on, on all sides there. And I think one thing nonviolently we can do as Americans is find a way to support those refugees in their time of need. Yeah, and, and, and be careful not to put, you know, all, all people into one box, right? I mean, as, as you said, there are people protesting in Russia and there are people leaving Russia either in protest or because they are afraid for their lives. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and also I'd like to just throw in, <laughs> this is, this sounds very weird. It's kind of a philosophy professor thing to say, 
But truth matters in all of this. So one of the most obvious things that 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 nonviolent uh, response needs to focus on is getting the truth out, telling the truth, speaking the truth. There is in in time of war this saying about the fog of war. There's all kinds of misinformation and disinformation and confusion. And the truth actually can cut through a lot of that. And some of our the history of conflict in the world involves terrible lies that are told and reiterated at the expense of, of victims. Uh, you know, the, the kind of lies that were the anti-Semitic lies that were told in the middle of the 20th century, the lies that were told about Japanese Americans in our own country during the Second World War. Um, we, we have an obligation to speak the truth. The lies and, about slavery. Yeah, lies about slavery and so on. We, we, the, the part of the problem we know in Russia is that the Russian people are getting misinformation and disinformation from Russian propaganda mechanisms. So to find a way so that Russians can actually hear the truth, I think, is a very important part of the story. And one of the things you also mentioned is the role of religion, how religion um, is has both in history been a promoter of violence, but how religion and, and even secular, you know, a, a secular commitment to the truth uh, can can help in situations like this. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, one thing is that has, has me concerned, and I'm not a real expert on the Russian Orthodox Church, <laughs> but from some reading and some outside um, you know, my interest in this, I'm worried that the Russian Orthodox Church is being co-opted by the Russian regime. Um, in my opinion, the, the church should be speaking out against aggression. Uh, you know, Pope Francis and others have actually made this point recently. Um, we, we, one would hope that, that religious organizations would be united around the globe in saying that aggressive violence is just not justifiable. Pope Francis has even taken, you know, this to the next step where, you know, in recent weeks he's suggested that there is no such thing as a just war. He's gone so far as to suggest that, which is quite interesting. Um, but there's a tendency of religion to accommodate power. We know this happened in the Nazi time. Pope too. Pius in the, during the Nazi time, right? Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a problem. So, again... What can we do? Well, we can encourage our religious friends and brothers and sisters to speak the truth again and to hold fast to the teachings of ethics. I mean, the teachings of Jesus, in my opinion, are really about nonviolence. Um, you know, it, it never hurts to say that one more time, you know, to, to remind people. Read the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> yes, exactly. You wanted. To, I just want to read two paragraphs from this paper that you write about nonviolence, the role of nonviolence, because this is just so compelling. So you write, perhaps it's easier to imagine sending arms and troops than it is to imagine driving less, paying more for gas, or shifting away from fossil fuels. This lack of imagination is part of a larger problem. Problem. Self-interest is often combined with faith in military power in defense of the status quo. As outrage mounts, we ought to talk. Uh, to ask ourselves how much we would be willing to sacrifice in the name of peace. Is it, it is one thing to encourage Ukrainians to take up arms. It is another thing to, for comfortable bystanders like the rest of us to consider what we would be willing to sacrifice in the name of peace. That's a very powerful question. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for bringing this up. Um, you know, uh, there's a tendency of those of us in the comfortable West to send a couple dollars here and there and say, okay, we've done our part. I do it too. You know, it's just 
human nature. And then we go back about our business, you know. Um, really, the, the problem on Earth is a system problem. We have massive armies and nuclear weapons and a system based on militarism. Um, could we imagine an alternative to that system? That's the real challenge, I think, for our humanity. And what would we be willing to give up? Or how could we imagine changing our lives if we wanted to produce or create that new, that new reality? Um, you know, this issue about Russian oil and Russian gas, uh, the Europeans have been struggling with this. You know, are they willing to cut off the, the Russian energy? Um, and if, if, the, if they decide yes, because peace is worth it, uh, the end of the war is worth it, they're going to have to consider changing the way they live. And that's a serious uh, question. And often, I think we need to dig deeper, in other words, right? It's, it's not just about can we send a couple bucks here and there. It's about can we change the way we exist? <laughs> Easy for philosophy professors to talk about that. But that's the, that's the big question. For 2,500 years, philosophers have been asking us to think deeply about who we are, what we stand for, and how we live. And I think it's, it's important these days. Yeah. Where could people uh, get in to find out more about your book? Do you have a website that you could share with us? Yes. Yeah, so you can find this on Amazon.com. Um, the, the title of the book is Tyranny from Plato to Trump. And I'm online on AndrewFiala.com. Um, I write a weekly blog for a, a venue called Only Sky. I also write a column in Fresno Bee. Um, I'd be glad for folks to find me online. And again, Andrew's name is spelled F-I-A-L-A, Fiala, F-I-A-L-A. So it's andrewfiala.com? Yes, Where that's people right. can find. And, and I, hope, I hope we can find uh, an, an, another, uh, another opportunity to talk more about this whole concept of tyranny and, and its historical aspects as well as, you know, what we can do as, as human beings going forward to perhaps uh, not be subjected to tyrants as much as we have been in the past. Do you have any, we have got about uh, two or three minutes left. Do you have any closing thoughts that you would want to share with us? Well, you know, Johanna, thank you again for having me on. And um, I'm, I'm a philosophy professor, a professor of the humanities. And there's a lot of people who wonder, what's the point of studying philosophy in the humanities? And I would argue that's part of the solution to our problems, you know, you mentioned earlier, I argue, look in the mirror, right? We need to take stock of our lives. We need to learn from the history of literature and, and art and philosophy. And we need to think more carefully about our values. And I think often in our culture, we tend to be thoughtless. Um, actually, the whole world. <laughs> it's not just us, but that's a common human failing. We do better when we think more carefully and when we, uh, when we take that gander in the mirror and realize how flawed we all are. And it, it takes a lot of work to be good, and no one is. <laughs> it's always tomorrow, there's another day, we have to try to do better. I, 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 would, I would take a slight difference to that. Uh, uh, I, think, I, think, I think we all are basically good, but we don't always act like we are. Ah, yeah, we're not perfect. You know, yeah, always, we're not perfect. Always... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, and, and, that, and that might be wishful thinking on my part. I don't know. I, I, tend, I tend to come down on the optimistic side of things, well, as you, know, you can probably tell. I do, too. I'm an educator. And, I, you know, there's a new crop of students every semester. And I believe that each one of those students can learn. 
and each one of those students can improve themselves. Um, you know, it, it takes a little effort, though. What and have you takes- learned from, from your students about, about how do they view the situation in Ukraine? You know, Johanna, young people are 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 despondent. They're they're freaked out about the world. There's, you know, climate change is is looking grim. Uh, we just came out of a pandemic with isolation. The political dysfunction in our own society is is severe. And now there's a war in Europe. <clears throat> you know, 19 to 20 year olds are are kind of freaked out. So, you know, one one thing I think we can all do is offer them a bit of hope you know that um you know these are these are dark times but they're not the worst of times yet (laughs) and they 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 will get darker if we give up hope but we all need to have hope and especially the youth right that how sad that is for a 19 year old to 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 be hopeless um you know we need to give them we need to support young people and, and make help them believe that the world can become a better place you know, I'm always torn between, obviously, we want everyone, especially the young people, and, you know, I'm a mother and a grandmother, we want our kids and grandkids to grow up in peace. And at the same time, I don't think I would be able to appreciate peace as and, and, and also the situation that's happening with refugees as much as I do if my parents and grandparents hadn't been refugees themselves. Um, and, and we hadn't been exposed to that, you know, growing up as, as kids. So, uh, I think the value of what you're doing and teaching history and teaching philosophy and talking about the past and what, and how it can, how it continues to apply to us now and in the future is very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I agree. Okay, looks like we're starting to be joined by our next guest, and I so appreciate Andrew Fiala for coming on the program, and I hope we can talk again in the future. And again, Andrew's, Andrew's website is, uh, the book is called Tyranny from Plato to Trump, and you can find out more on it at his website, andrewfiala.com, F-I-A-L-A. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Great Thank to you. talk with you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, I'm going to go to a moment of music and we'll be right back with uh, my guests, Mary Rose Kajarowski, uh, Chief Nolte from the Fort Pack Police Department, and hopefully also Supervisors McGordy and William. And we're going to talk about and we're going to give an update about what's happening in our own community in support of Ukraine. So we'll be we'll be right back. You are tuned to Wild Oak Living here on Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. I'm going to take a moment right now to just let to remind you all, in case you've been living on another planet, that we are in the middle of our silent drive here on KZYX and Z, and we are fundraising for our building fund because uh, we are moving uh, our studio and radio operations uh, to Ukiah. We've bought a building, and we're going to need a lot lot of funds to turn that into a real studio uh, and 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 secure the future of KZYX going forward. Uh, there's a lot of information about that on our website, kzyx.org. I'm hoping you feel motivated to check it out and see if you would like to make a donation towards that building fund, kzyx.org, uh, or you can send a, a check to the station or you can call the station to make a donation at 895-2324. However you decide to do it, please support KZYX. Please support our building fund. We really, really, really uh, are are so excited about uh, about 
putting the future of, of KZYX at a, on a very secure footing, securing the future, our signal, which is going to go away pretty soon in, in, well, not like in the next few days, but if we had stayed in Philo, the trees would have grown up and we wouldn't have been able to send our signal as, out as much anymore. So this is all very exciting. Please support it by going to kzwax.org and making a donation or at least checking out the information about the building fund to decide if you want to support it. Thank you so much. And now I would like to let you know, you, this is Johanna Weldock. You're listening to Weldock Living. In this second half hour today, we're going to be talking about uh, local activities and efforts in, in our community in support of Ukraine. If you've been listening regularly, you've probably... Um, uh, tuned in and and heard we've had uh, uh, we've had an interview with Maria Tushik who is in uh, Western Ukraine to let you know what's going on there and since then since this first interview a lot of activities uh, have sprung up and not just in relation to the interview but just since the invasion since the Russian invasion into Ukraine a lot of activities have sprung up everywhere including in our area in support of Ukraine and here to talk about that I have several guests today I'm really uh, excited and, and honored that uh, all, all my guests have decided to join us this morning. Um, I'd like to uh, start out with uh, uh, Mary Rose Kazarovsky, who's uh, who who was the person who first approached me about doing this and who's been doing so much outreach. And I would like Mary Rose to um, give us an update on what's been happening uh, and then introduce uh, some of the guests that are with us today to talk about what they are doing. And uh, probably we'll do it in the order of, of um, let's talk. If if I, I can't really tell who's on because all I'm seeing is phone numbers. I know Misha, Misha has joined us. Uh, I don't know who the other person is that has a phone number that starts with two, th that ends with 235. Um, so um, if, if that... Um, if you, if you know, if, if you could let me know, um, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Uh, welcome, Mary Rose. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me now? Yes. Good morning, Mendocino County and beyond and Johanna and all good people listening. Uh, Ted Williams is trying to, uh, hook up with us and Johanna, if you could send him the uh, passcode, uh, text him, that'd be great, or email to him, that'd be great. He just texted me. He can't access his calendar. So um, anyway, here we are. We're in, again, trying to figure out how to cope with this horrible humanitarian situation that's happening in Ukraine. And is uh, Supervisor McGordy on? Uh we have one person on, and I'm not sure who that is. Like I said, the telephone number ends with 235. All right. John Nolte. So, oh, John Nolte. Oh, Thank John you, Steve Nolte. Okay, okay welcome. Great. All right. I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing a uh, check on who's in the house on the radio with us this morning. So we have Misha and I Chief did. Nolte with us so far. Fabulous. Okay. So what's been happening is so many people have been step, stepping up. Rotary Park in the village of Mendocino is just festooned with blue and yellow banners and the Ukrainian flag. And uh, you will also walk around the village and see blue and yellow banners. I called 5th District Mendocino County Board of Supervisor Williams um, earlier in March 
and asked him if the Board of Supervisors could draft a proclamation supporting the people of Ukraine. And uh, w wonderfully, him and Supervisor Glenn McGordy drafted a proclamation. Um, I helped a little bit with the collaboration on that. And on April 5th, the Board of Supervisors ratified their proclamation supporting and standing solidarity with the people of Ukraine. And then on April 11th, the Fort Bragg City Council followed with their own proclamation, and Vice Mayor Jessica Marcel Hay and City Clerk Jean Limos helped to connect Maria Tuzek from Ukraine, and they, she spoke to the City Council meeting. And uh, by a miracle, it all happened. Maria gave a powerful speech, despite it being 4 a.m. in her time zone and under conditions of war. Um, I was um, gratefully presented the proclamation by the vice mayor, and I promised to get it somehow to the people of Kopchinsky. In the meantime, I e emailed Maria a facsimile of the proclamation. And in gratitude, I presented a Ukrainian flag to the city of Fort Bragg and Chief Nolte Wilk talk about that in a few minutes but i wanted to let people know that there has been an incredible effort um there'll be a stand with ukraine a community benefit for aid to ukraine sponsored by the mendocino rotary foundation the rotary club of mendocino and mendocino cafe and that will take place on may 1st from 2 p.m to 6 p.m at mendocino rotary park and that's going to be located at Lansing and Main Street in Mendocino. There'll be food, drink, music, and silent auction. And if people want to volunteer or get information, they can call Meredith Smith at 707-937-2422. That's 707-937-2422. And if you don't have a pen, that's going to be on the KZYX calendar, and um, a lot of PR is being done on this. And donations will be funneled to the Rotary Club of Stemberg, Germany, and the, who is providing medical aid to Ukrainian refugees. And later on in the show, Misha Mikalo will be um, speaking about what he will be doing. But um, I'd like to now introduce... Um, Glenn McGordy or Ted Williams or either they're, of you—they're not—they're not with us yet. So let's go to let's go to Chief Nolte to talk about what's happening. Yes. All right, and I'll try to see if we could connect the other two. Okay. Welcome, Perfect. welcome, Chief Hi. Nolte. Hi, John Nolte with uh, Fort Bragg Police, the City of Fort Bragg, and, and um, I'm honored to be on your show today. Um, a lot of kudos to Mary Rose. She's really done a lot of efforts um, in the Fort Bragg community. Um, you know, I, I was in, um, I'm in pretty closely involved with the hospital and Mary Rose's and, um, works there. And, um, I was honored as well as to attend a prayer vigil at, at the Mendocino Coast Adventist Hospital sponsored by one of their chaplains. And so, um, um, I attended that. I was probably the only outside official to attend that. So, um, but it was a, a way for people to, you know, express, um, uh, their feelings of this uh, invasion that's really uncalled for. So um, it's it's just kind of, you know, we're, I personally myself um, feel helpless, you know, what's going on and outraged and how, how people can do this to each other, um, you know, in protection. Um, and then recently uh, Mary Rose came and did a wonderful presentation at the city council meeting. She, you, 
she said she was nervous, but she didn't show it. She was a trooper, and she got up there and did an excellent speech, got a proclamation, and, and um, gave us a, a flag. Um, and I knew the city was kind of what they're going to do with it. And as I was walking out the door, I told the vice mayor, I'll fly that above the police station, proudly fly that. Um, and the next day it was there. Um, we put, hoisted it up, and uh, Mary Rose just happened to call me when uh, right after we did it. So we got a photo session with her um, with the flag flying proudly over the police department. And then, um, um, then I, uh, I think it was this week I got a call that there's several, I believe they're physicians and Mary Rose can correct me. We're going to Ukraine and they were looking for any, um, any, you know, hardware vests or anything that they could provide for their safety and provide to the other people that are there fighting this invasion. And I just, Mary Rose was a, a proponent of this also because I, I knew I had a couple. Well, I found a lot more than a couple. I found a whole bunch of vests that we can no longer use because they're, they're fitted to the officers and a lot of them are left. So I was able to find a whole bunch of um, like 10 to 15 vests. And then I found some larger shrap metal vests that were like brand new that we will never use. Um, so I put those together. Um, I found a whole bunch of um, black tactical pants that are like cargo pants, only they're black. Um, that again, you know, people have left or, um, you know, they're just laying around. So we got about 15 or 20 of those. And then I have a bunch of little small flashlights that we give out at different events. So I put a whole bag of 20, 25 of those together and we took them down to the chaplain and they should be probably on their way right now with the uh, people that are flying over to Ukraine. And hopefully they can, um, use them, you know, to uh, protect themselves against this invasion. It's, uh, it's, um, you know, we got a lot of, uh, you know, men and women that are, um, you know, trying to get out of there in the middle of this conflict. Uh, there's a sons, fathers, uncles, you know, protecting their, their, their rights, you know, and, and leaving their family. So kudos to them. And, you know, Mary Rose also is looking for, um, you know, financial aid. She should probably give that information. And then, um, as well as that event at the Mendocino for the Rotary. So, Kudos to Mary Rose for putting this all together and feel, for people like myself that are helpless and want to do something, we're able to do something and there's a lot more we can do for these poor people that are going through this, uh, you know, just really unacceptable invasion. So, and I want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity and time and, and especially gratitude to Mary Rose. So, um, cause I'll be leaving here in about 10 15 to my next meeting, but thank you. Thank you so much, Chief Nolte, Police Chief of Fort Bragg. It, what you're doing and what you're talking about is just so inspiring, and it's the kind of kind of community spirit that makes that makes this this community such a wonderful community to live in. But thank you, exactly, and thank you for broadcasting this. Chief Nolte, Chief of Fort Bragg. Thank you, Chief Nolte. And what you're talking about. Thank you. So inspiring, and it's the kind of kind of community spirit. I, I forgot to say that everybody else needs to be on mute when I'm talking or we're getting that that, that kind of feedback. But it's okay. I think I think it worked out. Mary Rose, could you please mute yourself? I, I forgot for a to second. say that everybody for a else second. needs to be on mute when I'm talking or we're getting that done. There we go. Okay. Because I'm hearing my voice on Mary Rose's radio in the background. So, uh, okay. And I, and in, in the meantime, we have been, uh, joined by, uh, Supervisor Glenn McGordy. Uh, welcome to Wild Oak Living. You're welcome to unmute yourself. Um, 
and and join us to talk about what's happening on the Board of Supervisors with the proclamation in support of Ukraine. I know Ted Williams is also trying to join us, but I don't know if he's going to be able to to uh, get through. So uh, welcome, Glenn McGordy. I apologize, dear listeners. Uh, I think it looks like that this this uh, Zoom call might have been hacked. I. I was really excited about all the wonderful people we had on this call. I'm going to start it again and see if people can dial in again um, and see what happens. Um, okay. We are joined now by, we are joined again by Mary Rose and by Misha. And let's see if... Misha, I'm going to put you on mute for a second, just just to make sure that we don't have any interference again. Uh, and let's see if uh, Supervisor McGordy will join us again. While we wait for Supervisor McGordy, let's go uh, to uh, Mary Rose. Do you want to talk about uh, Misha joining us and give us a bit of background about in, uh, having Misha be part of this conversation today? I'm going to p uh, please unmute yourself, and then and then Misha, please. Unmute yourself as well once Mary Rose is done. Mary Rose, are you with us? You're on mute. Hello there. Yes, go ahead. Hi there. So I had seen a poster in uh, Fort Bragg for, uh, that was highlighting this event that's going to be put in put on by Yoga um, Yoga Rise in uh, a spot in Fort Bragg, and I was. Uh, walking into the shop and spoke to Ryan Marie Potter, who's owner of Rice Spa, and she told me about Misha and his background, um, who originally is from Kharkiv. So, Misha, if you're on the phone, I would love for you to talk about why you're doing this and how this is going to help Ukraine, and uh, it's the, the floor is yours, so to speak. Uh, hi. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me here. Thank you, Mary Rose, for uh, um, connecting us, and thank you, everyone, who giving me opportunity uh, to speak about this. Um, good morning, community, uh, everyone who listening. So I'm originally from uh, Ukraine, uh, city Kharkiv, uh, which is uh, southeast of Ukraine, just 30 miles from the border with Russia, and. Um, this city is being bombarded since the invasion for over than 55 days now every day a lot of people had to leave the city my parents had to leave the city but there are a lot of people still staying there including my friends who i grew up with um so i'm one of the teachers at the rise and be well uh, spa studio in uh, uh, fort bragg uh, company building in the back of the company building on the main street. And I had this idea to make this benefit event, which we combine a yoga class led by co-owner of the rice, Michelle Lamar, and one of our good friends, Audrey Kanseler, who will be offering sound healing at the end of the yoga class. And also I'll be creating the atmosphere playing music as a DJ uh, during this event and the the event is on this Sunday at 5 p.m. Uh, the cost is $25 and all the proceeds 
will go directly to people who I grew up with, who's right now volunteering. They didn't leave uh, Kharkiv and every day under bombarding, sacrificing their life, they buying food and delivering it into a bomb shells and um, subway stations where people hiding and they delivering food and medical uh, drugs and goods whatever people needs they're trying to help as many people as they can so i uh, decided um, to help them directly so they can use those funds next day already helping elderly it's mostly elderly women and kids um yeah thank you very much i think misha i think misha points something points out something very important that this aid gets to them within 24 hours uh there are so many wonderful organizations international organizations that are helping out in so many ways ukraine is a huge country but there are a lot of people, expats, and people who are working to get money directly within 24 hours of donations to where it's needed. Because there's a lot of small towns. If you can imagine, if a fire or disaster happened on the other side of the mountains, and we know that has happened because people would come here um, uh, as refugees from the fires, and we were cut off and our banks are open, but the Red Cross can't get get here, but there's um, banks are open. We could still transfer money and buy things. Um, but think of that on, on a different level in Ukraine. And one of the funds I've set up is to work with Maria Tushek's brother, who's in Toronto, Canada, to uh, obtain donations that will then be sent by wire transfer within 24 hours to Toronto, and he has a special channel to get it to Kopensky. So Misha is doing this. People around the world are doing this because every action, every bit helps because you never know where the supply chain jams are. And nonprofits are doing a great thing, but there's some paperwork that has to um, uh, be filled out. And not every little town or municipality in Ukraine have that has that capability now. So we're trying all these efforts to make sure that aid gets to Ukraine. And, and Misha, that event is this Sunday, April 24th. And I wish I could be there. It's my birthday. I'll be out of town. But I'm encouraging people to attend this and also the May 1st event and, uh, but, uh, that's happening in Mendocino at Rotary Park. And I just want to thank the community, because there's so many people, the police chief, board of supervisors, council. Can you still hear me? Yes. Yes. And um, when I was working at the hospital, I was talking to the chaplain, and he was the one who mentioned to me that one of the Adventist health doctors who's Ukrainian was going to be going back to Ukraine to volunteer for a couple of weeks. And that's when I called uh, Chief Nolte and said, hey, we got, we have, we could possibly get this on a plane. So um, if this is, this talks about how people and community work together to make things happen. And, and the miracle was that, that um, donation from the police department of the excess um, 
supplies uh, left on the plane yesterday with the doctor. Can you, can you, Misha, can you remind us again the specifics of the event? Uh, and then Mary Rose, if you could just once more talk about the event on May 1st coming up. Yes, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, it will be um, a yoga class with live DJ. I'll be playing the music, uh, some Ukrainian tunes and some other music for that class. And we'll be uh, finishing the class with um, sound healing session by Aldria. Uh, and it should take about an uh, hour and a half, two hours for the whole thing to go through. And it's this Sunday, April 24th at 5 p.m. at the company store building at 303 North Main Street, Fort Bragg. And do you want people to regist pre-register or do you want people to just show up? Uh, yes, you can go on riseandbewell.com and register. You go to events and register over there. Or you can just show just show up and, yeah, just mm -hmm. walk in. You, everyone's welcome. So the website is riseandbewell.com? Yes, correct. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Misha, for joining us. All the best to everyone in Ukraine that you are connected with and to you as well. Um, we are, as you, as you can tell, there are a lot of people in this community who support the people of Ukraine and, and, who, and we are all with you in our thoughts. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your kind words and I appreciate for this opportunity and to Mary Rose to connect in us and for the whole community. I see the support and it's really, really wonderful in my heart. Thank you very much. Thank you, Misha. And thank you for joining us on Wild Earth Living this morning. Mary Rose, if you could, if you could, uh, reiterate the, the, in the couple of minutes that we have left the event that's coming up on May 1st as well. And then I just want to mention that in, in this, uh, technical issue that we had, we've lost Supervisor McGordy and, uh, Supervisor Ted Williams also wasn't able to join us. So I think, uh, I think I'm going to, uh, if they are able and willing, I will have them on on my next program two weeks from now, or maybe in the meantime, our news department could cover the, the resolution that the uh, Board of Supervisors is doing for, uh, in support of the people of Ukraine. Mary Rose. Yes, thank you. And also, um, I tried to see if we could connect Maria this morning, but um, I haven't heard from her, so maybe we could have her on the next show. Exactly. But, uh, just to reiterate, um, the community benefit for aid to Ukraine by uh, co-sponsored by the Mendocino Rotary Foundation, Rotary Club of Mendocino, and Mendocino Cafe is happening Sunday, May 1st from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. at Mendocino Rotary Park at Lansing and Main Streets in Mendocino. It's outdoors. There will be food, drink, music, a silent auction. And um, if people would like to volunteer or um, get information, call Meredith Smith at 707 9372422 and i'm sure there is so many other individual events happening and people doing so many things i just haven't been able to capture them all so um this is just amazing that people are finding ways to connect and do something good and good under this horrible humanitarian situation
This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.